1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 343 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Milisha.
2: How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? Good, good. What's happening in Gina World? Well, I'm very excited about this week's uh, podcast episode. We're talking landscape and astrophotography with guest cool. Kenneth Larose. Uh, and aside from that, I am fully immersed in editing uh, images. So, two major shoots that I did. Now I'm in the post processing processing stage, which you know mm-hmm. what that means, Val, for me. It's yes, like I can binge watch. America's yes, you are watching America's Next Top Model or something. No, not, not, not Next, Next Top Model. Uh, okay, I've been re-watching. binge watching uh, all sorts of stuff and uh, Riviera, my, my, my oh, favourite, yes. and um, and also uh, a couple of other shows uh, that I've been re-watching and also enjoying the change in the weather as well so now outside my little treehouse I can see uh, the fogs rolled in which really? makes for beautiful light <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's, it's like, and it's so uh, it, it's kind of dark but it's uh, still fairly early in the day it's interesting but yeah okay. definitely the light is changing so um, that's exciting what have you been doing?
1: Well, of course, you're in Melbourne and I'm in Sydney and um, it's still summer here. So, it's actually really nice and to just beautiful days on the water. It's fantastic. So, the weather hasn't yet turned, but I'm sure it will within a couple of weeks. Yes. Um, what am I doing? Gosh, so many things. I've just got a lot of things. I had a big project, a big deadline uh Um, Due yesterday and uh, working on it with um, someone else and we were up till um, 3.30am so that we could get it in and uh, fortunately we did which is great big effort on her part as well and uh, so I was hoping to sleep in this morning but No. Um, So I really have a lot to catch up on because I focus so much on that creative project that that I've, you know, neglected my emails. Let everything else go, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of thing. So I'm getting back to people who are saying... Um, did you get my email about this? No.
2: No, what's mm. the uh, passive-aggressive... Uh, what are some of the passive-aggressive ways that you uh, have people uh, ask if you've read their email? As per my last email... What, what, what is it? Uh, just, just, just sending this again. This is, this is uh, there's a, there's a quite circling, a list of them. Just circling, back, circling back on oh this. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and it and seems to be like I, I get a lot of those emails. There seems to be a script that you need to follow but yes. do these people know that we know these scripts now yeah. and we know that this is like, and there's people that I like, cause I, I test, I like to see how many emails I'll get from them before they give up. But it's like seven, eight are down there. And I know you're really busy, but <laughs> here's the email again. <laughs>
1: all right so um one of the things i've been enjoying this week is some of the comments that are in the gold community big shout out to rebecca martin who said in the on facebook i've heard so many i've heard of many people listening to the podcast while driving running walking editing i've done them all even weeding the garden but thank you gina and valerie for getting me through a root canal (laughs) i just finished episode
2: 197 oh my god (laughs) that's great (laughs) so if anyone's having a root canal right now um yeah keep going you're going well uh the 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 thing about uh, the dentist like what my dentist likes to do is uh wait till your whole mouth is numb Mm -hmm. and then they stick Fifty things in there, and they go. So, what have you been doing, Gina? What's going on? And and you know, the whole the hardest bit for me is trying Mm. to rinse and spit and still look cool and together. You know, as I think you have to not just just give up on looking cool when you You go. You you just gotta give
1: up. I don't spit on yourself. What do you call it? Um, uh, When I need to go, I tell myself
2: that I'm going to the tooth spa. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice mm. way to put it, Val.
1: And my dentist my has a TV just... in the roof. Yes. So when too. you're
2: lying back, you just watch, uh, watch whatever you want. But the, like he, he doesn't let me, uh, just kick back and, and listen to a podcast, which I wish would happen. And I would mm. prefer that. I've mm. got to, uh, yeah, to try and talk <laughs> with my, and they understand you, which is what, what's uh, amazing. They can understand <laughs> you with 15 implements in your mouth. Yeah. But so, uh, good on you, Rebecca, Rebecca, Uh, obviously a uh, Gold member who has been doing some phenomenal work, really um, Mm. focusing and so helpful in the community in terms of uh, helping all the other, the, the newer members there Doing some beautiful work with her uh, composite work, and also the way uh, she has progressed. Like she's been a goldie since the very start, but just watching her progress. And uh, I think one of her greatest strengths is the way that Rebecca poses large groups. Like she's done massive family group photos, and she staggers all the people and and poses. And then she's also lighting those shots, uh, and has made some fantastic progress so good on you rebecca and thanks for the shout out brilliant
1: and if you'd like to find out a little bit more about the gold community have a listen to this
2: this podcast is brought to you by the gold community if you're wondering what it's like to be a member of the gold community over at genomalisha.com i asked jenny paul why she joined
3: My main uh, interest was to uh, have access to you. I just like wait with bated breath to see, you know, what's Gina gonna think about this? What's Gina gonna think about this? Or I gotta show this to Gina. I do love the community aspect. Uh, VJ Brito, I think is working on headshots and I'm like learning so much from all of his shoots that he does and getting to see like behind the scenes, how he set it up. I also love to have access to your tutorials Tutorials, And I watched those over and over and over. Like, finally, I was like, okay, I think I got this. And I went and tried it. And there's always new stuff. And that's really exciting and just keeps my uh, interest flowing. I have so much confidence. I have been doing paid gigs. Now I understand things way better. And, like, I'm critiquing my own work. <laughs> I would definitely recommend the Gold Community. How cool is that that we can you know, tap into all of your experiences and all the wisdom you've gained from all your years of doing this. And, and you're so humble with just the genuine nature of your help with the gold community. I love it. I love it.
2: <laughs> if you'd like to find out more about the gold community, head to ginamilitia.com and click on memberships.
1: All right, let's move on to this week's topic, landscape and astrophotography, with our guest, Kenneth LaRose. This is so cool. I mean, his shots, Kenneth's shots are just jaw-dropping. I absolutely love them. Tell us what we're going to be listening to. Yeah, so uh,
2: I actually met Kenneth on Clubhouse. And, That's your new uh, favourite we hangout. St- yeah, well, it's my new favourite hangout. I love a conversation. You know, I love a chat, Valerie. Yeah. And uh, I, I think we both started on there at the same time. And uh, as his story unfolded, I was just fascinated because it's like uh, he left uh, his uh, full-time gig to uh, just uh, get, get himself uh, an Airstream, which is a, a little... Uh, very sexy, uh, um, iconic American-made travel trailer, like a a camper van, I guess you would call it. They look so cool. Uh, They're so cool. So they look amazing in photos, and it's actually uh, the cover of the podcast artwork. So if you want to check it out, go there. It's also uh, there's images of that in the show notes. And so basically for the last uh, three and a half years, he's been roaming around uh, the States uh, with his trailer, taking uh, beautiful astrophotography and landscape shots. And uh, he also runs... Workshops while he's travelling, and uh, his 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 images are just jaw dropping. And as well as that, he with each time he posts an image to his in, in Instagram, he will uh, create a poem that goes oh, with that so image. Sweet. And uh, isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you know the 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 way that he approaches his images, uh, really thoughtful approach to how he does his photography. And, uh, you know, he, he was uh, originally a bodybuilder, so we chat about that and uh, how the, the sort of discipline from that goes into his photography. Um, we talk about a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, what it's like to actually, you know, leave everything and then just be in the middle of nowhere yeah. roving around and, uh, you know, how that also improved uh, his photography and his approach to life and uh, his thought process it, when he uh, approaches uh, a different location, uh, what, what's his thought process when he's uh, taking those shots? What is it that he's looking for? And also with his uh, astrophotography, and uh, he also shares a poem with us at the end of uh, the interview, which Love is uh, fantastic. So uh, lots of lots of stuff about the why here, and I think this will really get you thinking about you know your approach to photography, and maybe not it's not. We can all just quit our jobs and uh, jump in a van and travel around. But maybe, you know, we can think about doing that for a week or so. It certainly inspired me. I think it's something that I would love to be able to do one day. So, yeah, I uh, hope you guys enjoy the interview.
3: Kenneth LaRose, welcome to the show. How are you?
4: Gina, I'm great. It's good to be
2: here. How are you doing? It's so good to chat to you. Uh, we, we met on Clubhouse. About, maybe, I think you and I both had our first day together on Clubhouse because we had the little party hats that they put on. So I think that was back in March, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, early March, late February, something like that. I can remember that. And so um, I've been in many rooms with you, had lots of chats, looked at your work, and, and I think your, your story is so interesting and your work is phenomenal. So I thought you would be a fantastic guest for this podcast. Now, before we start, one thing I always ask my guests is where in the world are you?
4: Yeah. Ah, well, thank you for the intro i um, happy to be here, and I am currently in Texas. I'm just outside of Austin at the moment, and that changes very frequently.
2: Because you move around a lot, and uh, th- this is uh, like... So, I've, I've thought a lot about uh, what, what success means to me um, and uh, particularly in the last few years, I've come to the decision that to have a successful life is to have a life of freedom and you are currently living my dream life <laughs> and I, I'm going to call you Kenny from here on in because it's a bit more Aussie, so hopefully that's okay. Absolutely. Kenneth? kenny yeah (laughs) um but yeah you 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 basically are in a um you're traveling around the states uh and in with a you've got a little airstream so that's uh describe to those who haven't heard what they are what what that
4: is sure yeah so um so an airstream is like that silver bullet looking uh travel trailer. they've been around for close to a hundred years uh, very iconic, very American made, uh, similar to what Harley Davidson is to motorcycles, Airstream yeah. is to travel yeah. trailers. So uh, they're just um, really cool, sturdy, and they're the only travel trailers that actually appreciate in value over time. So they're they're a little bit pricey, but they're worth the investment. And I have the smallest one that they make
2: and they're so cool like you know a the design is just gorgeous and it's the kind of um travel trailer that you want in all your photos so i've actually uh used one of your images for the cover of this podcast episode so the listeners can go and 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 check that out if they're not sure what they look like so they're they're, they're they're a beautiful uh, design, absolutely gorgeous. So you can pretty much go wherever you want and have been doing that for about the last four years. Is that right?
4: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, any, everywhere. Um, everywhere in the States, at least, uh, for the last, yeah, three 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 and a half years, yeah. close to four, yeah, getting there.
2: And what was the catalyst for that? What, what, what made you just say, okay, enough, I'm getting off, I'm going to do, do this?
4: now yeah so um a bit of a confession i had no idea what an airstream was so yeah um i had a random chat with this girl and she she was going through divorce and she was telling me her husband got um got the rv out of the deal and i was like oh okay so does he travel with it and she's like no 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 he's just parked at like a rv park and i'm like oh that's that doesn't sound fun. She then looks at me with these eyes. She's like, you should get one and travel. And I looked at her like, wait, what? Like people, people do that? Like, where would I stay? Where would I sleep? And she's like, oh, no, you go like there's, there's, there's um, RV parks all over the place that you can stay at or, or national parks. I'm like, really? Because I, I don't know. I never, um, <laughs> I had no experience with this. And so I went home with this bug and this idea in my head and I started Googling and, Everything that I saw that I liked was Airstream. Of course, you know, it's got to be the the expensive. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> and also, I wanted I wanted something that was <laughs> photogenic too, to to tell my story in in a more uh, aesthetically pleasing way. So, uh, so I went home. I started googling, and I found out that my Jeep Wrangler, Wrangler, can tow up to thirty five hundred pounds. And Um, three days later, I bought an Airstream unseen from Scottsdale, Arizona, (laughs) and I went and picked it up and I drove back to this little room I was renting from a friend and five days later, I hit the road and I've been living on the road ever since, ever since. So it's just
2: amazing. And so were you, you, were you doing your photography before or did that start uh, four years ago as well? Yeah, I was
4: doing, um. I was doing landscape photography. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. I was doing portrait photography, fitness photography. And that's what I was doing before I left. Yeah. And then I was I was transitioning into landscape photography. And, and I thought I was going to have this master gallery on wheels. That was what it was called. I was just going to set up my Airstream in all these different places, open it up for the public to walk in and set up all my art in there and, and have them. I only did it once, and I sold one picture of my dog, <laughs> and, and uh, so it wasn't even a landscape. <laughs> it was just a picture of my dog's face, and so, um, and so I, um, I started to think about what else I can do with my photography, and then, uh, the teaching aspect sounded appealing, and I, you know, I'm sure we'll talk yeah. more about that, but yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I want to go back a couple of uh, steps now. The fitness photography, your uh, profile image is just like because i've been fascinated with bodybuilding since i was about 17 and uh I, that, that's when i started getting into it and just became obsessed with that whole world so when i look at your profile image because like you know you, you've you got your shirt off and all i can see is veins and skin like you look like you were carved out of marble there so when when I first met you on Clubhouse, I asked you a lot about this uh, past life. So you were a, a, a professional bodybuilder before then. Is that right?
4: I don't know if I use the word professional because um, it, it, that brings. Competitive? Yes. yes. Competitive. Prof- professional right. would be like the top level of, of, photo- yep. of a, geez, photography, of bodybuilding. And, um, yeah. so I, I, started bodybuilding when I was, I did my first show when I was 22 and I've done about 15 shows since average about one a year. Um, are you still doing no, it? No, 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 it, I, no. My no. last show was before no. I hit the road and, yeah, right. And you know, being on the road, I don't, I don't train. It's, it's like my life has completely shifted into, into a different direction. Whereas, uh, before it was all about the gym and training and bodybuilding and diet. And, you know, I just, I just lived a lifestyle like that. That's, that's all I knew. That's all I knew from, uh, even in high school, I, 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 refused to play certain sports because it interfered my, with my gym time to build muscle. And so I've, I've always just had a passion for manipulating my body and changing it and then, um, fine tuning it to step on stage and, and, and become a better version of whatever package I brought last time. And and th- there's still there's still a, a hunger and a desire and a fire inside me that I want to step on stage again because I have not won a total show. And what that means is winning your weight class and all the different weight classes go against each other, and there is one winner of the whole show. And I have not done that, and that's just something – that kind of eats me up inside. I feel like I can close that chapter when I when I achieve that. If I do, you know that. So that's that's uh, one motivating factor to get back into it. But uh, being on the road for three and a half years, I shower in the gyms. I go to the gyms here and there, but <laughs> um, but I mean,
2: you're not you're not working out like it's not as disciplined. But so. That word discipline. So when I think about someone who is a competitive bodybuilder, there is a lot of discipline. Like you you do need to get your certain amount of macros and, uh, you know, make sure that the the body fat level is at a certain amount. And so getting up and getting into uh, tip top shape as you're coming into a competition requires a lot of discipline. So, and that's There isn't someone with a stick saying, don't eat that or don't do that. That's all self driven, right? So do you think that 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 translates into the how you approach your photography do you have a great deal of discipline in terms of like because when you do astro landscape photography there is a lot of uh discipline involved you're getting up early you're you're trekking and and i think you need to be fairly fit to be able to do this sort of uh photography as well if you want to get to the great location so do you think that 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 um the bodybuilding has helped you with the photography in the in in the regard of like being disciplined?
4: Yeah, I, n- I never really thought about that too much because whatever is inside me is just instilled inside me, right? So I don't Yeah, uh, it's a good question I've never been asked that. So um, you know I, uh, for so many years you I, I just learned to just it, okay you know what it is? It's, it's making a decision and running with it, right? Every time I chose yeah. a bodybuilding show to do, it would be four months out, five months out, however long it is. Yeah. I make that decision and I just do it. There's no, there, there is no, no question. There's no, what if there's no, uh, it's the same thing when I chose to live on the road. It's the same thing when I chose to move to New York city from the West coast or, the west coast from from the east coast and not knowing anyone so um so i think with photography i think that decision making just follows me in life and everything that i do and so uh, when i want to do something and i set out to do it there is no word no there is no not doing it it's just doing it and if it doesn't work the way that i planned then i can, then I then I change and shift those plans. But either way, I'm moving forward. Does that make sense?
2: yeah so when you decide to do something, you stick with it, and something like um I guess what i'm 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 trying to get to is like for me that that whole uh, world of uh, bodybuilding and fitness, I think it was a, a great lesson for me to learn early on that this is a long game, and the same with photography so and I often use the bodybuilding analogy a lot in my teaching and it's like you know. When I started looking around and going, I want a six pack and I want to have biceps. I don't want to have biceps like yours, but I want to have like Madonna inspired me, right? I wanted her biceps, but it what and 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 so if I went to the gym once a year for twenty and worked out for twenty four hours, it's not going to happen, right? It, because it's it's that repetitive, those repetitive actions that you do daily or every other day that are going to build those muscles and the same with fitness. And to me, um, the same discipline applied with my photography. So if I wanted to uh, learn to see images better, I needed to be looking for images every day. If I want to learn lighting, I need to practice that lighting every day so that that, all of that muscle memory, that creative muscle memory um, sort of stays. So so for me, um, having that separate discipline, I think taught me to be more disciplined as a photographer.
4: Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Um, you know, some sometimes you don't even think about the discipline because you just do it, right? I mean, it's just, it becomes second nature and it's from that muscle memory, it's from that repetition like you're talking about that um, yeah. that, that yeah. no matter what it is in life, you know, whether it's cooking every meal at home, I mean, you start cooking every meal at home and you don't eat out, well then it just becomes second nature, you don't think about it, you just cook your meals. And yeah. that's, that's it, I think, yeah, yeah. same thing for photography. Um, I shoot every day, you know. I mean, it's it's yes. every day. I, I live on the road. I shoot. That's just what I do. Um, and then I edit. I edit those images. It's it's just what I do. And there's no, um, there's no. I mean, sure, you procrastinate sometimes, and you need an extra jolt and some push. Or you get a creative uh, block there, and you push through it. But but I mean, ultimately, you're you're just constantly moving forward, and you're using yeah. I, I, I'm rambling, but yeah, I, I got you. That's that makes sense. That's exactly, that's exactly it.
2: All right. So, when you're traveling on the road, so you just go out, you buy like you just quit everything. So you you were doing um, fitness, uh, like body body. Um, fitness photography right so you're taking photos of obviously other competitors that you were in gyms and people at their peak sort of body shape was was that the sort of work that yeah. you were doing and and making a living from yeah, right yeah. And so, you just decided you didn't want to do that anymore. You were going to hit the road and do more of this landscape, Astro style of photography. So, when you make that decision and just go, all right, that's it, was there much thought into, all right, what do I need to fit out this trailer with? What sort of food? How long am I going to stay in these areas? Or did you just make it up as you went along? Uh,
4: I mean... (laughs)
2: it's fine if you say the second bit because that's what i would do i just go yeah i'll just work it out as i go along i'm not big on planning i am not a
4: planner at all so i went and i met some friends which
2: is so interesting Because you're so disciplined in this sort of this bodybuilding part right. of your life which I I bet you you weigh your food.
4: Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, you would. Yes.
2: as you're leading up to. So you weigh mm-hmm. your food, you wouldn't put um so you wouldn't eat certain things because it's like, no, nah, I can't eat that. That's, that doesn't have the right macros and it's like, you know, and then too much uh too many carbs it was to the Right. So it was you're you everything. Everything. Yeah. And then and then you just get in a van and drive off and don't even think about but-
4: it. Which but, is
2: just to me, it's like.
4: But there was certain <laughs> aspects of the bodybuilding that were different. I didn't care what time I trained. I didn't. So there was certain what? there were certain things where I would I would toss a different meal at a different time just to be rebellious, um, just because I am right. not. Uh, I am the unplanned person, and and this is truly like my workshops. I teach workshops. The those those are planned everything outside of that in my life is not and and that first maiden voyage i met some friends in death valley and then after that i had no idea where i was going i met some girl on some airstream forum and she said come to texas and i said okay sure so i drove like 20 hours to go meet some crazy woman in texas
2: (laughs) yeah but that that to me, uh, uh, because, and it's like, you know, every, each to their own, but I think that traveling needs to be exactly that. So when I travel uh, and when I'm overseas, it's literally, oh, I, oh, I booked the tickets two days before, I'm on a plane, I'm in that city. And in terms of research, I do zero. Zero research because I want to be a traveler. I want to, uh, you know, stumble along and turn a corner and see something amazing without, you know, looking up some guidebook or, or that Oh, these are all the places that you need to visit. I would rather discover them myself. Does that make sense? So, I think there's something in, that, in, in the way that you've set off on this adventure with zero planning, right. figure it out as you go along.
4: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you,
2: that's really yeah, cool.
4: You just described me, so yeah, I, I resonate with that one thousand percent.
2: Yeah, so so you you you've you, there's there's the adventurous side, but there's also still the discipline side that's going to like you, it's not like you're gonna lay around and miss the sunrise right. uh, or, or you know not work hard to get to a certain location. So in terms of like being out there, because I, I just as i said like to me uh the idea of w- what is success is the freedom to get up every day and do exactly what you want to do which is what you're doing so i think um what is it like to just um to have that freedom, and and uh, how is that different? How do you feel differently to what you did maybe four years ago when you were sort of um, stuck in the one location doing the the sort of the same stuff every day? What has it made you uh, appreciate nature more? Do you feel uh, different as a person now that you're on the road? Uh,
4: so many different facets to that question. Um, has the road changed me, and has being immersed in nature changed me? One thousand percent. Um, is there much difference from how I was living, um, by your definition of success before? No, because I was doing what I loved. And so, Mm. so although this has changed me tremendously, I mean, there's, I'm so much different. If you've ever seen the movie into the wild and, and there's this one section where he's looking into this cafe and there's this well dressed man with uh, with this pretty lady, and they're sitting there having lunch, or or cocktails or whatever. And he looks at them, and then all of a sudden, as he sees that man, that man turns into him. Well dressed, cut, and you know he's living on the streets uh, purposefully. Um, and mm. and like I feel like that now. Like I feel like I'm that traveling person that is detached from from a large portion of society that um, I don't have a lot in common with. I, I, I never felt like I had a lot in common with people, but, but being on the road and being yeah. solo so much, I've become somewhat of like antisocial in a way where, yeah. where I, I'm just, I don't know. I just feel so different than, than everybody else. Like I just feel like an outcast. If that makes sense. But did you feel that before? I think I did, yeah, but maybe in different ways. So, so yeah, I get.
2: But now you're kind of thinking about it more, I guess.
4: I think I was just around society so often, although I always felt like it. I was always in some busy place, but now I'm, you know, I'll stay out in the middle of nowhere for a week or two weeks and only see people in a grocery store, and and that's really it. Just um, so... So yeah, there's like a different feeling when you're when like you haven't showered for a week or something, and you're like walking into the grocery store and you see people that don't have dirt on their fingernails or, um, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it, yes. it's just, um, it's just different. Like you just you're living differently than everyone else. Like I would imagine that's that's how someone feels who chooses to to live different than uh, than a lot of society. I guess essentially that's what I'm doing.
2: So, th- there would be a lot of people that would think I I couldn't deal. I would be really lonely out in the wilderness, and also a little bit frightened. Uh, what would you say to those? How do you feel lonely? And because uh, like my- one of my favourite quotes is. Um, you never experience loneliness if you like the person you're with. So that's you. Like if you like yourself, uh, then you're always you've always got great, the best company, right? And uh, you know, speaking as an introvert, I love being by myself. I choose to be by myself. I will isolate myself on a regular basis because I that's how I recharge. That's how I feel alive again. Um, how is that experience for you?
4: As far as the, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm same. I'm an introvert. Uh, I'm sorry. Say that question again, the beginning of it.
2: So, uh, are you, uh, did, did you experience loneliness, loneliness. out gotcha. there at first or, or d- do you just feel so connected to nature that it's like, you, you just can't feel lonely in that environment? Um,
4: I, yeah. I mean, three and a half years is a long time for, for me. I, you know, I had no idea how long I was going to live out on the road. Yeah. Um, Truly, like I didn't even put a thought to it as to whether it's going to be one year, 10 years, whatever. Uh, So, you know, here we are. And in the beginning, in the beginning, there was more loneliness than there is now. And it's not because I'm around more people. It's just simply uh, kind of goes back to that quote. Right. So, yeah, you're never alone if you love the person you're with. And. And I mean, you start journaling, you start spending time alone. And although my previous life, I spent a lot of time alone, this, this was, this was different. I didn't, I don't know what it was, but I wasn't depending on, on people anymore to fill that void. And in the beginning it was, it was tough. And then as time went on, it's weird. I've kind of detached from people where, where it's harder and harder for me to, to have, like relations and, and, and just, just like want to be around people. I love being around like my circle and my people. Like, I love it. I love it. But just being around people in general, I just don't want to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) actually sounds ideal to me. it really does everything you do it's like I just want to get my own little airstream. I've got the jeep already that'll like and I'll just drag it around Australia <laughs> um, so in terms of the photography now, so and I want to ask about your connection to nature because I look at your images and uh, they're absolutely beautiful, and there is something for me. Uh, I've had a couple of experiences where being out in the wild uh, has been a spiritual experience where it's just been, I felt like we're not alone here. There is this whole other force out there that's uh, moving all the pieces. And that's how it felt to me. And that was one was seeing the Northern Lights and the other was being under the stars Uh, in, in Kakadu National Park and it's like I've never seen anything like that before. You get to experience that every day What's that like? Do you are – are is it like – because I've, I've lived where I've had beautiful views out my window and, I, 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 I you know, I need to keep telling myself stay grounded and, and stay in the moment and appreciate what you're seeing out the window. Don't ever become jaded where you just say, you know, stop caring. So when you're driving around and you're seeing these, you know, amazing – Views and having these experiences, um, what is that like every day? To have that,
4: for one, like you said, um, you can't stop thanking Mother Nature, Source, God, whoever you know, whoever yeah. it is to you, yeah. Um, because you know, we truly are grateful to get to experience so many of these places. Um, I sometimes get reminded when I'm with someone or with a workshop students and they see something for the first time that I've seen a hundred times and yeah, and like, it just reminds it's, it is a, a very, very pleasant reminder to appreciate everything. And, um, yeah, because it's normal, like, uh, it, I open my door to the ocean. I open my door to the forest with fog. I open my door to mountains. I open my door to streams. You know, my, my front door opens to, to million dollar views so often that um, I do take time to just stop and I will take days off in places to recharge where it's just me alone. I will do nothing but play with my dog in wherever the spot is that yeah. I'm at, uh, whether it's in the desert with the cows mooing, walking through. Through, uh, I think you were you on were you on Clubhouse that day? I was on Clubhouse, and there, there was uh, cows mooing <laughs> as they walked by. Uh, um, but you know, wherever it is, that that recharge time, that alone time. And that's the time where it's like, you know, you're aligning yourself, you're thanking, you're, you're showing gratitude. Um, and, and even in the moment, you know, when you when you take that camera out, and I mean, here's the drug, this is, this is what drives it all is that camera. And when, when you're done, I mean, when you're in the moment, you're just, you know, you're in awe, you're, you're being creative, you know, it just depends on what you're photographing, but, but there's something going on that's magical, And then at the end, the magic doesn't end. You just shift your thoughts to like, to wow, what just happened? And, and look at all of this. Look at what's around us. Look at what just happened. And just like, take a, take a breath and just appreciate it. And I, I try to do that as often as I can, even when I'm with people, because a lot of times, like, yeah, you know, high fives, like, yeah, that was great, that was a shit and you're like, <laughs> yeah, and you're all pumped up, but, but like, you've got to take time to to stop everybody and just say, hey, guys, come on, let's just soak this one moment in right now. Let's let's thank Mother Nature and just appreciate whatever it is, even if it's just the stars. We're done shooting the Milky Way. Put the cameras away and just stop. And appreciate it from a non-creative perspective yeah
2: it's uh it's such a humbling experience as well because it's like you know you whenever you look up into that night sky and you can see just how small we are as this little bit of rock that we're hurtling through space on and and you say you know 99% 99% of the things that I'm worried about really don't matter when, when you look at the, you think about it in the whole scheme of things. And I love that you take that time to just recharge and you're not picking the camera up and you're not sort of I've got to make content today, I've got to shoot a video, I need to post. so which, which can be super hectic, right? So when you're um, out in these uh, beautiful locations, I want to ask you now about your process. What is the first thing you notice when you want to take a photograph of something? Are you seeing um, the form? Are you seeing a pattern? Are you noticing the light or is it just the location overall? Is there one thing that constantly stands out or is it that something that changes? Uh. Yeah. Because you're constantly bombarded by these unbelievable locations, right? So there there comes a time when a bit by bit, it takes more and more for you to pick up that camera and go, because it's got that wow factor to you. What do you notice first?
4: A large element in the background and then a foreground. And that's that's what I'm looking for most of the time i'm looking for i like to fill my foreground up with uh with close-up subjects and doesn't necessarily have to have a mid-ground mid-grounds are cool but um foreground and a big feature in the back whether it's a big sky or a big mountain or a big tree or whatever whatever it is that's that's kind of the style so i'm i'm constantly looking for those two things the light is yes of course if if you're getting incredible light then then now you're just looking at the way the light is hitting everything. If it's a windy day, you're looking at snow that's whipping by or, or sand that's whipping by and creating patterns. And I mean, there's so many different things, but, uh, but I think on a regular, uh, most generic type of beautiful landscape, I'm looking for foreground and a large element.
2: Right. And so, Is that the same when you're doing the night sky? Are you trying to include some sort of, um, you know, natural element to show scale, or uh, is what's your thought process there when you're photographing the night sky?
4: Same exact thing.
2: Yeah. So that's that your formula,
4: okay.
2: something in the foreground, something big in the background, and you've just like, you, you've simplified it to, to something that's so easy to remember. Um, on that, what was the last thing that you photographed that just left you dumbstruck? Like you were just like, oh, my God, I could put my camera down and never shoot again <laughs> after seeing that. Is there, has, is there one experience?
4: Oh, um, it's got to be the foggy redwoods in the northern California, almost on the Oregon coast. I had um, this. This was the greatest day in all of history of photography in all the lands. This, was, um, this, is, <laughs> this goes down in the books. And um, I woke up, went there for sunrise, got there 7 a.m., putzed around for an hour we got a little bit of fog that rolled in uh, didn't get any light just just some you know moody fog we packed up we walked back up the hill walking back to the car and oh there was just a little glimmer of light and a little light ray it was the first one that we saw so we ran to it full speed me and my buddy and um because we had to capture it because This could be it. This is the shot. And um, (laughs) that one light ray turned into, I don't know, maybe 500 light rays. That turned into 1,000 light rays. That then turned into seven hours of consistent light just like that throughout the whole forest. The whole forest was your playground to create compositions with the most incredible light you can't even imagine. You, you, you couldn't think of a prettier fairy tale in your head right now than, than what this looked like. And we had seven hours of it. We were going on no sleep because we shot Astro the whole night before. And we were ready yeah. to, like, you know, every half hour or so, we're like, all right, you ready? I'm like, and I'm like no. That's done.
2: <laughs> no, you can't leave. You
4: cannot leave this. So we have to keep on pushing through. And uh, and we did, and then we were so happy when it was finally over because we could go home but uh, and sleep.
2: You so see, you're just like pinching oh, yourself all day going, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe And it just keeps getting better. And, wow, look over there. You would have felt like two kids in a candy store for sure. So with with the planning of the the shots that you take is it is it a matter of just looking at the map and going uh, that sounds interesting I'll drive there now or or is it are you just like driving how do you know where you're going next what what's what's the basis of that
4: Okay as far as living with the airstream where I'm going next there is no I mean today I have no idea where I'm going to be tomorrow or the next day or the day after I that I love that and love I love that And if you would have asked me five days ago where I was going to be, I would not have told you here. So, um, so, so, uh, but as far as shooting goes now, remember, I am not a planner. The way you described yourself before Mm. is exactly, I do, I have never been to the Grand Canyon or, or, um, or, uh, delicate arch or, you know, just, just rattle off the most popular places that you know of in the U S and I have not been there. And I've driven right. past them a gazillion times, but I get pleasure out of going places that other people don't go and discovering things that are unique. and that's that's what that's what i'm I get really excited about. So I will go to those more popular places, but those require other people to plan those trips. So there is a balancing act that I have where I do my alone thing, I do cause not everybody likes that. And a lot of people are restricted to the time that they could spend exploring. So they're like, I don't want to go explore yes. for like three or four days and not have a plan because what if I don't get anything? Uh, that's why everyone goes to those Instagram popular places because they don't, they can't afford to, you know, I'm using air quotes, they can't afford to go explore can't. somewhere where they might not be rewarded this fruitful image. And so, um, So for me, I can afford that time. So I use it to explore and try to get things that are unseen. And, and, um, and so, but traveling around with other people that have plans that are doing those four day trips, I love to do because I get to some of those places and I get to put my own creative spin on them. And, um, and so, so there is a balancing act with, with, with all of that. And I do enjoy both when it's me, I do my own thing.
2: Just just, uh, stumble around and hope that you discover something. And I think uh, doing the latter, which I love, when I do find something great, it, it, it might be that there's, there's usually, I know the first day I arrive something, there's nothing and I'm scrambling for the <laughs> shot. I'm not going to find one. There's nothing here. Why did I come here? And then, uh, I get really frustrated because I can't get the shot. And then the next day something happens and then something else. And then you value those images so much more because, um, you had to work so much harder for them so i i like the 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 popular locations it's just there it's like to me that's like, uh, shooting fish in a barrel. Right. You, you're going to, of course you're going, or, you know, or where you can go fishing where it's, um, the fish are in a pool and you just know you're going to catch something, right? But when you go out to the open water that you, you have to sit there all day and you might not get right. anything, but then the next day or then – but your, your work is always, the hard work is always rewarded in some way. So, um, I think your, that that's what you are kind of uh, loving about the the unplanned nature of traveling as a photographer, it's exciting. right?
4: Yeah, exactly. It's um...
2: it's that excitement. It's the unknown. It's like I don't know if I'm going to come back with something, but it's you know for me, it's not so much about what I come back with. It's it's like the whole time spent searching is the the enjoyable part. It's the the journey part, and the you know it's nice to get those those images at the end, but I think I I enjoy the, uh, the looking and the seeking part of it. Do you
4: want to go fishing and and catch, uh, you know, just a, a regular trout or do you want to catch some Sasquatch of a fish that no one's ever seen before? You know what I mean?
2: Exactly. And that's what's so exciting about it. Uh, yeah. So, um, all right. So, there, there's probably a lot of people listening. I think we're all in similar situations around the world. It's a lot harder to travel uh, overseas. So, we're kind of limited to our own countries. And if we've got the opportunity to, say, hook up a van and maybe take I don't know, a five day trip or a seven day trip. What would you recommend that uh, people do during that time? Uh, what What are your tips for someone planning on doing a photography trip like like what you do every day of your life?
4: Well, <laughs> I would recommend that they plan extensively because you only have those five to seven days. so yeah. um, but if you're gonna do two weeks, I'm changing up on you. If we're going to do two weeks, then plan the first seven days and then don't plan a single thing on the second, on the, on the last half. And, um, and just, just roll with the punches. If you want to stay in one spot because you find a great campsite and, um, and you just want to like meander around whatever the terrain is and go ahead and do that. Um, I mean, as far as like, we're talking photography right yeah because yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody listening is pretty mm-hmm. much a photographer or aspiring or yeah they're okay. all photographers okay. yes of course um yeah yeah so i don't know just explore more just you know use use your access to to remote places and and able to sleep there go find a go find a lake that nobody ever shoots and wake up and putz around and find something interesting
2: so the putzing around is that like when you you park your, your your trailer and your car and then do you what is your approach to uh, photographing that landscape around you? Do you get up? Do you walk around? Are you taking photos straight away? Are you trying to connect with the land first? What what's the process? Walk us through uh, a typical uh landscape shoot and also uh walk us through a typical astro shoot for yeah i think
4: uh, i think um i I get a lot of my intel from locals uh locals are Mm -hmm. typically so proud of where they live and they've lived there for so long and and they want to show you they they want you to beautify what they have in their head as already being such a beautiful landscape so i always listen to
2: so is it so so seven days out? Are you showering before you go in and talk to the locals? Or are you just going in unshowered after seven days to to ask for advice? And do you get better advice when you shower as opposed <laughs> to when you don't shower?
4: Way better advice when you're unshowered and unkept. So grow the beard out, <laughs> don't get a haircut, and people will always want to help you. They might even put money in your hat. So, um, <laughs> but, but the locals are, are, um, locals are my best form of, of info and also social media. If I post, if I post a yep. story and I'm like, Oh, I just got to, uh, um, God, I don't know, uh, uh, Mount Rainier or something. And, just out... Yeah. And, right. uh, like, Oh, you have to check out this. Oh, my favorite hike is this. Oh, that, and all of a sudden, you know, I've got. I've got five DMs from from people that are giving me location. I'm like, oh, okay, let me look them up. And then I'll look and I'll be like, oh, that's pretty. Oh, that's pretty. Oh, that's nice. And then I'll I'll go if I if I like if I like the pictures, or I'll just go if I just like the person they tell me to go. Uh, because one thing that I don't do is I don't research locations. Um yep. because I do not, I repeat, I do not want to see the compositions that have been done there. So yep. So if I'm mm. with my, my business partner, Ryan, and, and he's like, hey, we're going to this place. I'll be like, okay, cool. He's like, hey, you want to see him? I'm like, nope. I'm like, I don't want to see. I yeah. trust your judgment. We'll go. And, and then, you know, sometimes I'll miss the mark and I'll go. I remember in like Sparks Lake in Oregon, I, I like there was a, an iconic shot. And I went there like two or three days in a row and and you know i never found the iconic shot i just kept on shooting 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 and then i left and then um and then i started looking at like other sparks lakes uh shots and i was like oh man i missed that that's a good one you know so you know so sometimes you're gonna sometimes the iconic shots are are just you know they're, they're there for a reason uh, but other but i mean it's okay yeah. like i'm not you know I, i'm happy with just getting out and just creating without um without without being persuaded or felt a certain way like this is a better shot than no no because your shot is the best shot like just just make your own make your own compositions make your own memories make your own snaps and uh and don't worry about if the iconic shot was better or not um you know just just grow and learn but i think you had a question and i'm not sure i answered it
2: yeah. So, 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 with the landscape photography, what what is your thought process? Walk us, walk me through a shot. So, you get to the location. What's the first thing you do? So, you're planning this shoot. Are you taking the camera with you straight away? Are you sitting with the land to to, to I don't know. Check out the light. Watch the light. Watch what happens. How, how do you approach it? How do you approach those landscape images that you're doing? Yeah. So,
4: if if it looks like I'm going to stay within a um you know, within, within 50 feet or so, then I'll, I'll just drop the bag on the ground, you know, stretch my back out a little bit, grab the camera and just walk around, just walk around with my 16 to 35 lens and, and just, just set it up behind certain foregrounds and, and just take a look at, at what's going on. If it's water, if it's flowers, you know, just try to frame up some things, get some ideas, snap a few photos uh, we're probably about an hour and a half before sunset right now so so we're just relaxing and just 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 walking around the area getting to know it and getting acquainted with the different foregrounds yep. so that so that when that light does start to start to get nice and that could be 30 minutes before sunset that could be that could be 10 minutes after sunset you know you don't know when that when that special light's going to come and what the wind is going to do i mean there's so many different factors so you're just you're just figuring out okay it's windy i've got flowers in front of me well, I got to shoot this during the day because I got to use a faster shutter. What am I going to do? Am I going to – I'm thinking about what my foreground, what my mid and and, uh, and my subject at the back. Am I going to focus stack it? So there's lots of different – I am creating the image in my head before I'm taking the photo. So I'm already –
2: So you pre-visualize, yes. So you're imagining, and then are you kind of wishing for certain elements? Oh, what I really need here is one of these. Let me look (laughs) for one. Or are you just trying to discover one of those as you go? I I
4: find that wishing is never a good thing because you start to miss out on some of the other things that are staring right right at you. So um, so I I tend to not want to wish things, but rather – Uh, take what I've got and roll with it. So if I'm sitting there and there's just a slight wind, I'm like, oh, there's no reflection. You know, what am I going to, all right, let's come on. Let's get a reflection. If I get a reflection, the shot will be great. Well, no, the wind's coming. I've got to find an alternative. I've got to make that wind work for me. So, um, and if the reflection does come, I I know where I'm going, but, but, but no, you just, just take those conditions as they are. Don't try and predict what it's gonna do in 20 minutes. Like if the light is great right then and there, don't think it's gonna get better. Act like this is the best light that you're gonna get right now because it very well could be. So don't get lazy when you're 30 minutes before sunset and those clouds are starting to light up, you're getting some nice light, but you're like, oh man, these clouds are gonna turn pink and fire up. Well, no, they're not. They're doing this right now. This is what they're doing. So capture it. And uh, I'm speaking to myself on this too because I need to take my own advice because I've been in that situation way too many times. And and you've got to learn
2: where well, you've gone. I'll get this. Will get better. And you've walked away and it didn't. And and that was actually amazing. And you you know you kick yourself after that. I had you? a moment
4: in Big Bend uh, just last month where I stopped at a place. I, I was scouting it. It was it was like midday, but we had such good light. It was midday mm. and we were scouting for our workshop. So, I mean, our main goal was not to get photos for ourselves, but to, um, and, you know, I took a picture with my cell phone cause I didn't bring my camera with me over there as I was scouting and I just got the composition. I'm like, Oh, this is great. And the light was so nice. And I was like, ah, do I go back? I'm like, nah, we gotta keep on scouting. And, um, and then we went back to that spot twice, um, uh, and it sucked. It it wasn't good without that light, and that was uh, <laughs> and I was just kicking myself because I'm like, man, if I'd have brought my camera while I was scouting instead of my phone, I could have had, you know, a really beautiful shot. But um, so you know, keep that in mind when you have great light, make it work for you at that moment, even if it's midday. Hmm. Um, so the astrophotography, how I set up for those, uh, there's an app called Photo Pills that I will use, yep. and uh, you know, just for some of you that are listening that don't know, it's an app that is pretty extensive. Uh, what I use it for is pretty basic, if I wanna know when the moon is gonna rise, when it's gonna set, when the Milky Way core is gonna be visible, when it sets, because uh, the core does rise and set, which is the main event that we're shooting as astrophotographers looking to shoot the Milky Way. Uh, there's also a season for it, um, but as far as the app goes, you can, you can look up in real time, you can pull your camera up and it's, it's, uh, using the AR, you can put whatever it is that you want to shoot in a frame. And I think it's like 28 millimeter. It shows you on there. On the, on the phone right. and you can set up your composition and see where the Milky Way is going to be up at a specific time. So you can kind of move that timer with your finger and and see where the Milky Way is going to move throughout the evening. So you can better align your shot. So during the day, you're using that to see where it's going to be at night. And so that's a great way to scout uh, I am not so vigilant in that. Um, typically, when I'm with some people, people that are planning, because most people do plan, uh, that's how I shoot astro. But when it's just me, I just wing it. Um,
2: you just yeah, I love that. And it's like the 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 uh, photography gods gift you that, but because you've got all the other things you need, like you 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 you're honing your skills. You know. So what what's your preferred? Um, astrophotography in terms of gear, what's your preferred lens um, and uh, what sort of uh, are a good base setting for someone who's just starting out on doing astrophotography? What's sort of a good ballpark setting?
4: Um, 16 millimeter 2.8. Yep. Uh, so 16 to 35, 2.8 is the lens. Uh, we're going to yep. be a, between yep. 16 and 20 millimeters. You're going to be between 10 and 15 seconds. Uh, 6,400 ISO or less if there's a lot of light pollution where you're at. And um, uh, what are we missing? Shutter? No, we got all the three settings. Yeah. 10, 15 seconds, 2.8 and um, 6,400, 5,000 ISO. It's just your basic, you know. Just just your benchmark. And mark.
2: then uh, we don't go any faster than that in terms of sh- shutter speed. So, slower than that, you start to get the, the star trails. Is that right? So you start to get the – because we're moving, one of us is moving, The that the, you get the, the ghosting around the stars, right? So if you want pin-pin sharp mm-hmm. stars, what sort of shutter speed should you have?
4: Yeah, I mean there's, there's a formula that you use, um, but it, it's all dependent on your focal length, right? So – Um, So 16 millimeter, you can probably get away with uh, uh, 20 seconds. Um, I wouldn't do more than 15 seconds. And then as you get closer, you know, 18, 20 millimeter, 24, you're going to have to lower your shutter speed. Um, So the more that you zoomed in, the lower your shutter speed is going to be because you'll get star trails and you can take test shots and and see. So at 35 millimeters, you're probably going to be about uh, six or eight seconds.
2: Yeah. So that so the longer the lens the 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 faster the shutter speed t- to compensate for the star trails and I'll I'll try and find that formula and put it in the show notes because it's a it's a fantastic uh, formula to make sure that you nail that shot um, all right, so have you got a preferred is there a tripod that you like to use? Um,
4: yeah I mean you know I'm, I'm sponsored by Slick tripods. Um, yep. and the reason why I'm sponsored by them is because I use their gear and I liked it. And I reached out to them, um, to work with them and they agreed. So, uh, so it wasn't that, uh, the company reached out to me. Um, so that I like them because they're sturdy. They've got lots of, of different types of tripods, different budgets. And I always liked that the bang for the buck with them is, uh, you know, you you're getting, you're getting what you pay for there. And, uh, and then some compared to some other brands. So, uh, so slick tripod. Um, I also use a tracker. A lot of my, a lot of my Astro stuff, I track Milky way and a tracker is, is, uh, just this device that, that you, um, attach to your tripod. And, um, so, so the earth spins, right? We all know that as well, as long as you believe yep. the world is round, then, then, then the world is <laughs> oh, Those of you flatlanders out <laughs> yeah, there, right. okay. you, you know, you might want to go <laughs> well, to a different man, podcast. No. But, but in this podcast, <laughs> the world is round and it spins. And what happens is that's why we get those star trails because the stars don't move. Yes. Essentially, it's the earth that's moving. So what a star tracker does is you attach your, your camera to it and you align it you polar align it with the north star so you point this tracker uh, to the north star and there's a way you set it up and once it's aligned with it then it starts to move with the earth at the same rate as the earth is moving so you can take like 10 or 15 minute exposures with no star trails because it's moving it's moving the camera at the same pace as the Ah. earth so um
2: Fantastic.
4: So you'll shoot your foreground separately from your sky and then you'll just blend those together.
2: Yep, Yeah, right, which you do a lot and there's uh, beautiful and I think it's important to have some sort of element in, in those um, beautiful uh, star images that you've got in the Milky Way shots that you do. Uh, so sometimes you're doing a little bit of light painting there or you're just using natural exposure when you're doing the, the – <coughs> shots where you've got that foreground
4: element. I'm trying to do a lot more, uh, um, natural, like blue hour blends and not as much light painting because, um, I'm, I'm actually a huge advocate for, um, for dark skies, uh, the international dark skies association and they frown on, on light painting. So I'm trying to get a little bit more away from that. Because there's yep. if I could talk a little bit about them, I would love to. Yeah yeah, go for it. So the International Dark Skies Association, um, they are spreading awareness to help preserve our night skies. Our um, our night skies have so much light pollution in them, and they're getting more and more every year. I think it's like two percent. The, the sky is gaining two percent more light pollution every year, which, is it's a large amount and like okay so who cares like what's yeah. light pollution right so it's how does that affect us it affects a bunch of different wildlife and and uh you have like the sea turtles that normally go those cute little turtles norm, normally are hatched and they and they go towards the ocean towards the starlight and the moonlight and but the light pollution is causing them to turn around and go the opposite direction so lots of sea turtles are dying um uh, birds, birds that are, are migrating are getting confused because they're starting to go towards the light instead of where they're going. And a lot of birds will just fly around in circles until they're tired and they'll just drop and become like Aww. cat food or something. You know, it's it's really sad. And yeah. um, and. The, the way to raise awareness is through astrophotography and to, by bringing people – like we all love the night sky. We all love the stars. When there's yeah. a meteor shower, which there is one right now, um, it should peak in a few days uh, here while we're recording this episode. And, um, and people are going to lay down on their blanket and – Watch the night sky watch the meteor shower. Some people are going to make love under the night sky. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, so we, we really want to preserve that. And if we keep on going at this rate, then, then that night sky is going to continually just diminish more and more and more. And you can see that just through your photos if you've been doing it for a while. Uh, so there there's, there's certain ways you can go about it. You can use warmer lights at your house. You can, you can, you can cover cover the lights so they're not shooting up into the night sky. And there's lots of little things that we can do with just, just preserving the night sky. But most of it is just, just creating awareness and, um, and not using as much light because like street lights, car lights, everything is just getting brighter and brighter every year. Uh, like you're driving down the road, those lights are just crazy bright now. And so
2: Like, I don't understand, and I actually want to lobby my local council to change the streetlights to bright white, daylight to why can't they be a uh, tungsten light, color, you know, a warm color because I've converted all the lights in my home to warm light uh, and there's there's also the theory that uh, the, the getting that light on your skin, that light pollution is not good for our health or our hormones and uh, you'll have a better night's sleep if you don't have any light pollution in your own house. So it is, it's a huge deal, Kenny, and I'm, I'm so glad you, brought it up so i think uh, on the ground there is a lot you know just the awareness but there is a lot that we can do just like changing the lights in our own home and uh you know i would love to see local councils be um think about the kind of light and even um you know uh, corporate at the corporate level okay you want to light up your building at night well then light it up so that it is uh a, a, a dimmer light and a nicer, a nicer light that is uh, friendlier to to the uh, the wildlife and and uh, all and of all of us, us as everybody. well. Yeah,
4: so, yeah. Um, uh, one other thing, uh, I think it was flags. I think it was Flagstaff, Arizona, become a dark became a dark skies city. And what they did, the International Dark Skies Association um, was a huge part in this. And Flagstaff is now saving they've saved Flagstaff 2.2 billion dollars a year in electricity cost by changing the lighting there. so not only are we using less energy but but now we're using those warmer lights we're using less we don't need all that light out there it's just it's 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 blinding us and that's ultimately what it's doing is lights it's like being it's like it's like going out to dinner and you know you're with your mate you're having a, a nice meal um, the room is, you know, uh, half filled. And as people start filling up, um, one person starts talking loud and then the other person starts talking loud. And then before you know it, the whole yeah. place you're shouting at each other and you have a sore throat because you've been talking so loud when everyone could have just brought it down a decibel or two and you still yeah. could have all had yeah. those conversations. That makes perfect so, sense. Uh, anyway.
2: Yeah. I think that's a really important, no, I think it's a really important conversation to be had because, um, for those of us who have been lucky enough to experience the night sky, and I'm not talking about the night sky that you see in suburbia or in a city, to go out right into uh, an isolated part of the world and see how magnificent this night sky is, it would just be an absolute tragedy to never be able to see that. And uh, you know, also the, the fact that it's uh, it's so detrimental to our our wildlife. So uh, well said, Kenny. Thanks. Thanks for sharing uh, that. Two
4: two, two two percent every year. That that's that's wild. That's crazy. Just to make one last point, yeah. um, is you know I don't want to be old, and I don't have any kids now, but but um, eventually have kids and grandkids, and then tell them about the days when we used to be able to see the Milky Way and we used to be able to see stars, you know, and that's and that's scary because at that rate, um, you can go on IDA IDA um, on their website and you can actually see a chart. Of of how that's changing each year and what their prediction is based on that, so um, so yeah, I think it's a great conversation to be had and and uh, and I'm actually going to be hosting some rooms on Clubhouse about that specifically one tomorrow tomorrow. Oh, yeah.
2: fantastic, excellent. All right, I'll t- I'll try and tune into that, um, Kenny. So. I love hearing your passion about the environment that you're shooting in and your love of photography. Uh, so for those like currently you're, you're, you, you have some workshops on landscape and night sky photography. Is there anything coming up that you, and where can um, the listeners find out more about what's, what's, what's in the future there?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I teach uh, astro and landscape photography And what those are, basically like three to five day adventures, small groups that I team up with my business partner, Ryan Oswald. And uh, we formed a company called Photo Roamers, Photo Roamers, one word. And you can find information on our workshops at www.photoroamers.com. And right now we've got Joshua Tree that's coming up. Mid-May. Oh,
2: I would love to do that. <laughs> it just sounds amazing. Yeah,
4: JT is uh, is beautiful. We go to the eastern Sierras after that. Uh, we've got a few workshops up in the Pacific Northwest on the Oregon coast. Uh, in that forest I was telling you about, we do workshops there um, where we got those light rays. And, um, and we've got some fall ones. We've got one in October in... Um, in colorado for the fall colors and we still have a few more that we're working on uh but you can find all the up-to-date workshops on photoromers.com. we also have ig uh at Roamers. so if you want to you know yeah. check out the link and check out some of our work and our students we post a lot of our students works on there and you know just just some fun things here and there
2: Fantastic. I, I will put all those links uh, into the show notes for you. So if you uh, are driving and can't re- re- can't remember all of those, just head to ginamilitia.com, uh, episode three four three, and you'll be able to find all of those uh, links. So another really beautiful thing that you do, Kenny, is uh, you you write poetry for all your images. Is it every image that you take, you'll you'll go away? Is it the photo first, then the poem comes? You'll think about it and uh, create a Poem based on that image.
4: Yeah, I started doing this a few years ago, and um, at yeah. first they were just thoughts that came that came down. They sounded pretty corny. When I yeah. go back and read them, I'm like, oh my goodness, I thought these were good, and I'm sure I'll go back to these poems years from now and be like, oh my goodness, I thought. That. But yeah, so to answer your question, I uh, I write a poem that goes with each of my photos that I publish on Instagram. So it's kind of like once it makes it to the social media platform, it gets stamped with its own home. And, uh, and I use the word stamped. It's not really stamped because there's a lot more thought that goes into it than that. But, um, yeah. but they're mostly inspired by, oh geez, everything. Um, the feeling that I have that day, whether I was with, with someone that day as well. Um, if I was with yeah. someone that I really care about, then, you know, it, it might have a little bit more sentimental value if I'm with someone that I didn't really care for. I might see something else. <laughs>
0: uh, and I have been known to do that. Well, I, yeah,
4: yeah. Um, yeah, I've been I've been known to drop little things in there. If, uh <laughs>
2: It's like the rappers do with each other. They have these, uh, they'll write raps uh, dissing each
4: other. You do, you diss people (laughs) with a poem,
2: which um, is so lovely. It's like, oh, that's so nice. (laughs) Only that
4: person would pick up on that or someone who was there that day. Um, There hasn't been many of those, but there's been a few. And honestly, it's just the emotion that's evoked. And then and then I'll end up like scratching out most of them like, oh, no, no, no. I can't write that. I can't write that. And I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll basically yeah. censor it out to where it's like, okay, I can say that. Um, and if, and if that person yeah. reads it and they think it's about them, well then it probably is. But, um, but, but, you know, it's, it's not so blatant. <laughs> and uh, but, but most of my poems are not about that. We probably shouldn't have even talked about that, but most of them are are about how I felt um, that day. I could be sitting in a cafe and see a mother and a child and and the child says something adorable to the mother and that's the opening line to the poem you know so so sometimes it's just about the environment that I'm that I'm in while writing the poem I could be sitting in a park and looking up at a tree and maybe this image has some trees in it but now it becomes about that moment where I'm sitting on the bench looking up you know so there's there's so many different factors but yeah yeah I, I love writing poetry and attaching it's just another way to pour out some of the some of my creativity um yeah i mean i I love photography and i'm so thankful to have found it it's i could never draw i was not i was i can't sing um i mean of course i can sing but you probably don't want to hear it and um you know this was really something that photography had had just allowed me to just just flow out this like this creativity that's just been bursting for so many years. I've been trying to find a way to let it out. And the poetry is just, just another another funnel out that, that makes me feel good when I do it.
2: Well, I would love if, if if you have something handy to to hear one of those uh, poems, if that's okay, and uh, to to uh, end out this uh, interview. Uh, and uh, I'll thank you in advance, Kenny. It's been fantastic uh, chatting with you. And if you could uh, just uh, end out the um, the interview with with one of those, and maybe a brief description of uh, w- w- uh, what it's about, or the image that inspired it, or the moment that
4: inspired it, that would be fantastic Ah, okay um all right let me see um yeah so this is i actually have to read the poem because i'm i'm just this one that was with um i was up in glacier national park and most people think this image is fake because i'm so close to this goat But this goat had walked so close to me because I'm using a wide angle. And this is one of those moments where I had wished that the goat was going to do what I was anticipating it to do. So I set my camera up to these little tiny flowers on the ground. And I just sat there pointing it towards this mountain and these beautiful clouds. And I'm like, please keep walking this way because I have this framed up perfectly. And sure enough, the goat kept on walking and got within, I don't know, 20 feet of me or or so. And um, and so I think this was shot at 35 millimeter. So it's really close. Um, Anyway, the, the poem is. Goes a little something like this. Perched in a dream where colors learn to fly. I silenced my mind as this moment passed me by. Faith can care less about ego-driven pain. Hearts are as weather-sealed as soil under rain. Embrace why you came, forget about the past. Life isn't forever and today will never last.
2: That's beautiful. That's and the image is amazing. I've got that up. I'm going to um add that to the show notes with your permission and uh and the poem as well if that's yeah, okay, yeah, Kenny. Of course. Uh share it with the listeners. And uh this has been an absolute delight chatting with you today and uh I would love to have you back on as a guest another time because I think we only just sort of touched <laughs> on a whole heap of things so I'd, I'd love to hear more about your adventures and um yeah th- thanks so much it's been amazing i just wish you continued success and as i keep saying <laughs> you're living my dream life so enjoy it thank you so much kenny
4: thank you so much for having me Gina. i really enjoy this and i look forward to talking to you more and probably on clubhouse we'll chat
2: again on clubhouse thanks kenny great thank you gina <sighs>
1: Wow, there we go, Kenneth LaRose. And um, lots of great tips there. And I'm particularly inspired by the fact that he's got this Airstream. I would love to have I one know. or How something cool. similar. Yeah, because yeah. I have recently been slightly obsessed on YouTube with hashtag van life. And I've oh, been, really? Yeah, I've been watching endless van life videos that I feel like I practically have one um, and I just think it's really cool just to be able to take, you know, your cat or your dog or whatever or, or yeah. multiple cats and dogs and um, go traveling and then stay you know I've thought it through um, uh, there's a 24-hour gym in Australia called anytime fitness just join one of those so then you get your shower yeah. sorted yeah yeah you know, yeah 24 hours and yeah. they've got um, gyms everywhere um, yeah but oh you know men obviously go have a workout as well but um I've been going to the beach with my cats actually for fun Um in Sydney to a particular beach and there's always at least two or three, hashtag van life, uh, people hanging out there, making their coffee or cooking their breakfast mm. or whatever and it's such a great way to see
2: to see the world or to see your country.
1: I've done some and you research. Notice I, don't
2: even, I don't even bat an eyelid when Valerie says, I take my <laughs> cats to the beach. I just go, uh-huh. Because, you know, that's <laughs> Valerie. That's the sort of stuff that Valerie does. Have you still got the Pope Mobile that you yes. take the cats out yes. in? Yes, So Valerie has a Pope Mobile, which is basically <laughs> uh, a, a, a carriage similar to what the Pope has, but it's for her cats. Much smaller. And so that she can, a little bit smaller, but so that it, probably Cat-sized. without, no bulletproof glass, but no, similar, no. so that the, 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 the two cats can be uh, taken around the neighbourhood. Mm, mm, mm. You know. Rocky doesn't love it, but Rex, you know, he stands right
1: at the front and surveys his kingdom, basically. Um yeah. But uh, it's, yeah, anyway, great way to see the world, especially if you're a photographer um, mm. or or a videographer. I think it's um, yeah. fantastic. But also fantastic um, tips from Kenneth LaRose. Do check him out at Photo Roamers, as in R-O-A-M-E. ERS because he's got a bunch of workshops that just mm. look so awesome. He's got one coming up in May at the Joshua Ch- Joshua Tree Photography Workshop. He's also got another one, the Eastern Sierras Photography Masterclass um, and an Oregon Coast Photography Workshop. So, he's got a whole bunch of workshops, you know, in the Utah Badlands, Colorado Fall fall Photography. Um, But there's also ones in Sweden and stuff. So, he's busy. Um, Yeah. And his shots are fantastic, so make sure you check him out. So, photoromas.com. All right, so this brings us almost to the end of this week's episode.
2: Gina, what are you doing in the coming week? Same as I did last week, Val. What's I'll that? be continuing re- editing images and that is my life. I, mm-hmm. Actually, I've just finished a... Uh, fantastic new tutorial for the Goldie, so Mm. uh, another lighting one. I'm really big on this uh, zero-to-hero idea, Val, so this taking your lighting from no lighting to Mm. uh, being able to light anywhere, And but what is really important about the difference between these uh, tutorials and other tutorials is I don't want to just give you the put the light here, set it at this, and you'll be right because um, there's all sorts of different lighting conditions. So I've got this protocol in that the way that I teach lighting is that you can take this setup anywhere. It will work everywhere. It will work with every uh, different uh Type of face shape, uh, particularly if you're doing portraits, a uh, uh, character portraits, or uh, corporate portraits, or things like that. Mm. But I want you to come away understanding. Why the light goes there and not here, and how Mm. you can really manipulate that light and work with it anywhere. So, that's uh, I'm super excited to get that finished and uh, loaded up to share with the Goldies. Al, what about you? What are you doing?
1: Fantastic. Well, like you, I'll be doing um, similar to what I did last week because tomorrow I am. Taking my cats to the beach. <laughs>
2: Fantastic. They're such they're so lucky. They're so you bet you'd crazy, you really are. But that's, that's why I love you. It's like, you know, that's like how many other people take their cats to the beach? And well, it's why not, not? They enjoy it's not, it. It's, it's not code for anything, is it? No. I'm taking my cat to the beach just in case anyone's wondering.
1: No, I really take my cat to the beach. Yeah, you do. <laughs> oh,
2: Fifty other lines I just came up with now and I can't can't touch any of them.
3: Okay, on that note then,
2: where do we find you online, Gina. I'm at GinaMilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. You can find me on all social media. It's at Gina Militia, including Clubhouse. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, I'd love the opportunity to work with you. Just go check out the Gold community. Head to com and click on membership. What about you, Val? You'll
1: find me at, at the beach. <laughs> at the beach, with my cats. Uh, at Valerie Koo, that's K H O O, on Twitter and Instagram. And sometimes on Instagram stories, you will see my cats at the beach. Um, and over at valeriekoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources